You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Mike Lynch. And I'm Michael Barr. And this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. All right, guys. The dog days of summer, they are upon us. But it is an Olympic year after all. But I hate to say it, you wouldn't know it by just anecdotally talking to a lot of people there's just not that buzz and that buzz we've talked a little bit about this or lack thereof is really translating into the ratings or lack thereof now i want to break this down a little bit because we do need to talk about a much more holistic view of the way people watch and, and consume things but if you're just going on the numbers or about halfway through Average nightly viewership through last Tuesday down 42%. Yikes Mm. from the 2016 uh, summer games. And that's a tough beat, Lynchy. And we've Mm. talked about maybe why some of it is timing, some of it is timing as it relates to just time zones. Some of it is we were supposed to be doing this last year. It's not meant to be an Olympic summer. Part of it is people are just wanting to get the heck out of the house while they can, and who knows for how much longer they can. But what do you make of it, and and are you watching? Well, when I was a kid, there was this ice cream parlor called Roland's, and the number one item on the menu was called the kitchen sink. And it was so big and so overwhelming, nobody could I don't think anybody in the history of Roland's ice cream ever finished the kitchen sink. And to me, the Olympics are just too much to consume. There's just so many hours, so many different platforms. Am I paying for for an app to watch the men's basketball game? Is it on Peacock? Is it on the is is it streaming? Is it on linear television? I don't know. Um, I think that, you know, Rune Eilish and Jim McKay did us all a favor years ago when every night they condensed 12 to 14 hours of Olympic competition into three hours. They basically edited it for us and said, here's what you need to know. I just think it's too much for the, the, the total consumer. I think it's just overwhelming. It's almost like a tidal wave coming in. You just you, It's coming, you can't stop it, and you don't know what to do about it. I want to pick up on that, but Bart, t- tell me what your experience has been. Well, it's a lot like what Lynchy is saying. I mean, you would watch Franz Klammer back in what 76 or so and he's or 80 wherever it was and he's trying to ski and he's going through all this but everything was condensed in that prime time viewing moment and more importantly you didn't have social media back then so you really didn't know who was going to win what so you could condense it and you would have three hours of great programming i have to admit i was catching a few things i was catching the, the men's diving when i was watching it and uh yeah, a shout out by the way to Canada's uh, Cedric uh, Fafana. He he just had a disastrous moment, and and I just want to say a shout out to him because you know you you even when you have a moment and it's just bad as all get up, you still try. Yeah, that was an, an interesting moment to to watch, and so here's my more positive take, which is I think we are at an inflection point when it comes to consumption. And I think we're looking at the ratings and saying people aren't watching this on TV. People aren't watching TV in the same way anymore. And I do think you are having these moments, and and you guys both alluded to to social media. I think that has totally changed the game. And and Lynchy, one of the things that you said about, you know, sort of distilling it down, instead of TV executives deciding what that's going to be, we essentially have Twitter and 
Snapchat and, and Instagram, I think, is probably the, the best iteration of this in many ways. That's how people are consuming this. That's how people are sort of falling in love with some of these athletes and seeing their stories. I think the problem is, is that the economics have not... It, it's not just the economics, but the business model hasn't caught up with this yet. And I do wonder whether we're going to look back at this period and maybe even this particular Olympics as a real turning point here where they just realize that something is changing in terms of the culture, as it were, and we're just not consuming it in the same way that we were. And this was the real wake-up call of like, by the way, guys, people aren't tuning in. This isn't this just isn't the way we used to do it. Um, so I don't know. But if you're in the business of this, Lynchy, I, I don't know how you pivot in some ways because, yes, as you said, um, Comcast is putting this on Peacock, but Peacock is, at least for the moment, kind of an also ran in the streaming wars. And so do you just have to think about if you're the IOC? Do you start doing deals with Twitter and some of the other social media platforms in order to make this work economically? Because if I'm a broadcaster and I'm looking down the line, there's no way I'm going to pay for this. I don't think I can make money doing it. Well, look what the National Football League has done. Yeah. They brought in all kinds of different platforms. And then the National Hockey League, with their new deal, they brought in uh, different platforms as well. Major League Baseball is uh, doing uh, something uh, this year as well. Uh, they're putting games on Amazon. They're putting some games on YouTube. And perhaps that is the model that the IOC will look at or NBC will look at because NBC owns the Olympics now through uh, 2032, I believe. And uh, I think they have to look at and, and see if this makes sense. Um, however, they did make money in Rio de Janeiro, uh, but I don't. They, obviously, they're not going to make much money here. And as uh, they say in the business, there's going to be a lot of make goods yeah. going around yeah. the, next, uh, the next years on NBC. Yeah, it's inter- that's an interesting idea that if they have this, do they go and essentially it, – it's almost like they're going to sublet some of it. <laughs> they're all, it's almost yeah. like they're going to yeah. go to one of these platforms. And maybe by the time the next Olympics rolls around, there's a platform that hasn't even really been introduced yet that becomes something uh, – some some way for for people to watch this. So this actually leads to something that that I wanted to make sure we talked about, which is John Skipper, who we all know and and many of us really admire for what he did with ESPN over the years. He subsequently went to DAZN and and was working on that, uh, which is you know an interesting sort of media platform for sports. I'm not sure it's taken off in the way that they expected it to. Now he's really investing in in a lot of startups. He's got because everyone's got a spec. He's got a spec. Um, this firm Meadowlark. He gave a an interview where he talked about and this thing just blew up. Talk about bl- blowing up on social media. The nut of it was essentially. The Super Bowl at some point in time, probably not next year, probably not in the next five years, but is going to be a pay-per-view event. That may be the way we end up watching this and, and consuming it. Michael Barr, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna use one of your lines. Your thoughts. <laughs> well, here's my thought. Hell no. I'm not mm. going to watch any the Super Bowl on pay-per-view. No. That's what's gonna kill the whole thing. The whole point of the Super Bowl is that, one, you can also see the ads, which the ads, that makes news itself. 
And and everybody, you got the Super Bowl parties, and you have this going on, and there's a lot of money that was made during those Super Bowl ads. And now all of a sudden, we want to get more greedy, and now we want a pay-per-view for the Super Bowl? Really? Then you better offer me something 50-yard seats, (laughs) or you better give me some sort of isolated camera to make this worth my while, because I am totally against this. All right, everybody, seriously, get off his lawn. Like, just get off his lawn. He, he told, he tried to be nice about it, but you, you gotta, you just get onto the sidewalk. Um, all right, Lynchy, over right. to you. Oh, Michael, 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 Ooh, cool that baby down, cool him off, will you? I need a cool drink. You remember when cable came in in the 80s and it says, oh, I'm not going to pay. No one will ever pay for anything that they have been getting for free. No one's going to pay to watch a baseball game when they've been getting it free. Well, guess what? We did pay for it and we've been paying for it and we're going to continue to pay for it. And that's just the way the world is. So would you pay $20 to watch the Super Bowl? Would you pay $100 to watch the Super Bowl? I probably would because yeah. I've paid money to watch fights, which I thought were gigantic ripoffs, most of them. And I said, what did I just pay $99 for? This was horrible. I think the Super Bowl would be good entertainment. And first of all, most people have Super Bowl parties, so when you pass the hat when everybody comes in, it probably right. costs everybody about a dollar to watch it. Yeah, I got to say, I, I would, I'm... I love your react. I, I love it when you get hot, Michael Barr. Like this is, it takes a lot. Um, so, because I looked at this candidly, and I was like, "Yeah, this totally makes sense. This is it. This is absolutely going to yeah. happen." So, it, but here's the thing. So let's go a level down. I'm gonna throw it back to you, Barr, because I want to get you revved up again. Um, <laughs> so first of all, what if there were no ads? I, so then, so then you get to watch both teams on the sidelines as we have a timeout break. It, look, it, since 1967, it wasn't even called the Super Bowl back then. It was just you know the World Championship back then. We it was on two blasted networks. It was on two for free. It was on CBS and it was on NBC. And and now it, I'm I'm telling you, this is all about greed and. and no, no, I am not paying to watch the Super Bowl. That's it. Right, I'm done. Somebody's got to invite Barr over to watch the Super yeah. Bowl at their house coming up. Yeah, I'm not chipping in a he's, dog, and he's not going to pay for it. So just make sure you have the right kind of dips and chips, <laughs> no. and like get him a recliner, maybe away from other people, because um, he's coming in because he's coming in fired up. But so Lynchy, you know, again, like I feel like this is. This is a natural evolution, and maybe it's because you have been thinking a lot about, as you guys know, the UFC lately, sort of understanding Mm -hmm. their their business model. That is strictly pay-per-view. And I will tell you, you know, it's like I think about my kids, my teenagers, who they are coming of age at a point where, different from even the generation just ahead of them, they're very comfortable paying for things. They're very comfortable paying for content. They expect that subscriptions are going to be part of their uh, part of their life. Um, I I see this. I see the NFL figuring out a way maybe to test this. Uh, you know, maybe there are some behind the scenes things that that you can get initially, but the ultimate broadcast is for free for for a few years. I just I I think Skipper's right. I think this is this is potentially where we're headed. Um, and and part of it is because they have to figure out a different way to make money. I mean, this is in the, just going back to the earlier point, this is in the absence of 
advertisers being willing to pay, which I think we're not there yet. But I, I do I do think this is where the, the world is headed, lynching. Well, ratings are going down in the Super Bowl, but ad rates continue to rise. Right. And let's just say 100 million people watch the Super Bowl at 20 bucks a pop. That's $2 billion right there. Yeah. Now, that's half the, makes up half the deficit that they lost last year uh, during, the, during the COVID year of 2020. Um, I never thought I'd see the day when the Super Bowl would be on cable television. Right. Like ESPN or TNT or TBS or something like that. So it looks like they're going to skip right over the... Uh, cable uh, game being broadcast on cable and go right to pay-per-view yeah. i do think either i'm i'm not crazy about it um i i will not uh, throw a hissy fit like bar did i will say you know <laughs> this is the way of the world and even if, if the if the lions are playing in it and he he says that he's not going to watch the super bowl then he's he's you know he's serious yeah he's welcome not. To, you will not okay well you will not come to my i will not watch it in my house i will not watch it with a mouse <laughs> I will pay. I this, will not watch this, this pay per view, <laughs> Michael Barr, and I will send. I will send a, a a car to pick you up, and you can come over to my house, and you can watch it, and we can all have a, where I like Mike buttons, yeah, and we can have a nice afternoon. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so interesting to see. Um, listen, I did not. I did not expect this to get so hot. I love it. Uh, I'm here for it. And uh, now I sort of want it on pay per view because I just I want to see. You just want to see one eye bug out. Exactly. I just want to see Barr. <laughs> lose his mind uh, with what's going on. I mean, listen, I, I think we're seeing this across, you know, a lot of sports trying to figure out how they make money, what their broadcast deals are. I think about our friend Paul Rabel over at the PLL, the Premier Lacrosse League. You know, they've been experimenting with a lot of broad, you know, sort of linear broadcast, cable, uh, you know, individual channels, pay-per-view in, in so far as you know, kind of packages that, that you can buy. So I do think people are testing this uh, on the edges. And I do think it's part and parcel with what we talked about with Olympic ratings, which is if you, you know, if you're really committed to watching a certain sport or a certain athlete or whatever that may be, uh, you're likely willing to to pay. I do think, though, that Lynchy, there are, I mean, not that, that, you know, Michael Barr is a unicorn in so many ways. Um, <laughs> but I do think there are a lot of people out there who I, I do think you represent a, a big portion of, of the viewing public of a certain generation, especially who are like, this is bananas. Like, I can't even imagine how this would even work. And yet I, I, I dare say that there's a cohort that's like, yeah, all right, fine. Yeah, we'll do this. <laughs> but, but why? Listen. <laughs> now keep it. Go. Go. I, I am. I go. listen. I and I'm obviously. Wait. I, I want to say about John Skipper, by the way, because he's way smarter in sports than I am, and, and he's and he's probably right. This is probably the way it's going to go. What I want to know is, well, it, if the ratings are going down, why do you want to put it on pay per view in the first tag on place? Yeah. You know, it's the half the fun that people want. The casual fan, there's the person that comes by the house, and he or she does not know a lick about football. But boy, they want to see those Budweiser ads. I mean, we we do stories every year about the ads, right. and now that's going to be blown up the smithereens. And and I'm look, it, it's it, it, why 
Why, well, why, I, why? But I think you hit on it. I mean, I think, as I understand it, at least, and Lynch, you keep me honest here, as I understand it, one of the reasons he's saying this is because if viewership does go down, then the ad rates are going to go down. And so then the economics get, and, and there is an element of greed. You're exactly right. Um, they want to keep making a lot of money on this big game that so many people watch. And so if the ad rates keep going down, they need to offset that in some ways. And in many ways, the entire notion of how we consume the Super Bowl right now through Super Bowl parties and whatnot actually accrues to the benefit here because you do because that's how and, and Lynchy, I think you've had this experience. I think we've all had this experience of like who's ordering the fight? You know, like we're going over mm -hmm. to somebody's house and, you know, whatever that cost is going to be, you know, they're going to eat it and I'm going to bring my guacamole and, you know, Barr's going to bring his. I, I'm, I'm trying to think what what it would be what it would be in in uh, in Pennsylvania what, blindfold. What, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the Pennsylvania beer? I just had it. Uh, oh, you're, you're uh, oh yeah yeah yeah. I know. Give me a moment. It'll, yeah. it'll come. To me. Anyway, so you know you bring your you know you bring some beers over. You know, Lynchy has that that nine bean salad that he's so good at making, and <laughs> you know the, the the dip that everybody loves. But you know that's how we consume it. So I just I think it's a fascinating um, thing. To explore and and you're right. Don't sleep on John Skipper. I, I'm, he knows I'm, what he's I'm sorry, and I, and I know. Look, I, yes, I'm Yangling, hot as That's all what good. I was yes, trying to Yangling. think of. Thank you. That's what it was. It's it's one thing if you're trying to see a fight because it's you know okay you want to see this fight blah 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 blah. The Super Bowl is more than just a game. It has become an icon in our society. It has become a way. That we just live. It's we. The casual fan knows the Super Bowl, right? And and if you're a casual fan, why is why will they pay for this? I I just I don't understand it. And you're gonna blow the whole thing up. I'm sorry. All right, all right. Well, uh, to be determined. I mean, we'll see if John Skipper is right, and you know Michael Barr is gonna have some things to say. <laughs> Already I'm in, bars out. Simple as that. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spoken like a Patriot fan, I tell you. <laughs> All right. So this is also the time of year where we see a lot of movement in, in terms of players, you know, signing, not signing. We had the NBA draft um, last week. Not nearly, I have to say, as exciting as some of the previous few drafts because there just hasn't there wasn't this like blockbuster star like a zion or someone uh coming out even anthony edwards uh you know coming out of georgia there was nobody who you really uh other than cunningham who, who people were really excited about uh but there is some movement afoot it feels like and Kawhi leonard uh this of course he of course one of the best known players in the league right now an NBA champion a few years back with the Toronto Raptors, moved out to L.A. to play for the Clippers. Uh, the Clippers haven't been everything that I think their owner, Steve Ballmer, hoped that they would be, at least in terms of moving along the playoffs, uh, a pretty early exit. Uh, this year, Kawhi Leonard uh, may be the Kevin Durant of this uh, latest round because he turned down his player option for the Clippers, $36 million bucks. He's going to be a free agent. Uh, this is, I mean, this is pro basketball at this point, Lynchy. I mean, I don't know where he ends up going. I know there's a lot of speculation, but the fact that he it looks like he's not going to stay just is not that surprising. He can stay if he wants. He can right. sign a four-year, $176 million deal, which would uh, get net him, net him a gross $44 million a year. But 
you know, this it bothers me about the league is that the players almost it's like picking up sides down at the playground. Look what yeah. happened in Brooklyn. Uh, look what happened in Miami when LeBron went down there. Look what happened in Los Angeles when um, still happening in Los Angeles it's, in, it's to still, the it, Lakers, it, it, right? It, I mean, with it is with Westbrook and and all that happening. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like okay, we can pick up us. Basically, we're going to buck up and pick sides, and you know the the, the strong will survive. And if it weren't for some injuries or, or, or half the size of a sneaker shoe with uh, on Kevin Durant, who knows? The uh, Nets might have been in the NBA Finals. Well, that's a really interesting point. I'm glad you brought that up because that's what I was thinking that. You know, this notion of like, oh, these super teams don't work. It's like, well, that super team really came very, very close to yeah. <laughs> close <Yeah>. to working. <laughs> and I think it's safe to say that if the if the Nets got in, they would have been very competitive uh, in that final and, and might have taken the, the crown instead of the Bucks. And 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 of course, now you have the storyline by by dint of that like large sneaker being the difference you have this storyline of well the the bucks did it the right way and you know they built this team and they had a superstar but then they sort of grew up this team around him i don't think we have seen the last of these super teams and so where Kawhi goes next i think uh will have a, a big impact on on how we continue to think about that uh and i know bar we've talked about this before this notion that Lynchy alluded to that you know you don't have these these franchise players the way that that you used to that's for sure i mean and the nba seems to be uh the the leading league for better or worse when it comes to kind of assembling and reassembling and sort of the playground approach as Lynchy said in the old days you the players went where the owners told them they were going to go if they were going to be traded there was none of this hey but there was none of that it was like okay it's been real see you later and now obviously the players have a lot of say about what they're going to do and i think that has evolved big time in the game and and you know my motto is like if you're an athlete get as much money as you yeah. can while you can and i think that's part of why Kawhi Leonard is doing this yeah yeah so we'll see um where he ends up i mean obviously he's hurt right now so we don't know exactly when he'll be back and and so that figures into the economics and the the business plan as it were of whatever team's going to pick him up and who knows maybe he ends up uh staying with the clippers you know again don't um don't underestimate that ownership group and and obviously some of the power of the la market et cetera. Et cetera. but um certainly want to keep an eye on uh speaking of trades as we wrap up here uh, MLB last week, it was hard to keep up, Lynchy. And the one story wow. that really uh, jumped out to me was the Nationals being like, all right, we're done. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> like, get out. Like, see, uh, who's, who wants this guy? Who wants this guy? I mean, you know, the Dodgers get stronger and the Nationals really just hung it up. Uh, really amazing to watch. I'm not sure anybody predicted the the ferocity of that. Well, a lot of people will say, what are they doing? They're only six, six and a half games out of first place. But most of the people that they traded uh, were, were contracts that were expiring. Yeah. In fact, uh, the 16 of the 21 people that moved around had contracts expiring from Washington. The Cubs had 11 of them with expiring contracts. The thing that really dazzled me, though, was that I looked at all these names. I said, wow, a couple of guys are going to the Hall of Fame. Some of these guys are all-stars. I looked it up. Nine guys who were traded by the trading deadline played in this year's All-Star game. Wow. Hard to believe, isn't it? That's amazing. That's a great stat. Nine. Yeah. 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 I didn't know that. Wow. 
Yeah. Um, so a lot of movement, and, and we'll see what sort of difference it makes down the stretch. I mean, obviously, here in the New York area, there's a lot of emphasis on on what's going on in, in Stevie Cohen land. I was with some Mets fans over the weekend, and, uh, you know, they, as much as Mets fans can be, sort of cautiously optimistic <laughs> about some of the moves they're making, ready for their hearts to be broken uh, all over again. I, I have to say, one of my favorite uh, current gifts to people is the the terrific book we had the author on uh, oh, yeah. a few months ago so many ways to lose it's such a great <laughs> read and any Mets fan that I either tell about it or give it to as soon as they even look at it or start reading they go yeah that's about right yeah yeah, yeah. that checks out that checks out um, but yeah a uh, lot of good baseball still to come obviously but uh, it was it was bananas bananas to watch to say the least this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. I'm Michael Barr, and I'm still mad as hell on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. <laughs> the invitation will always be there for Michael Barr. You can come watch the Super Bowl with Lynchy anytime. We can never have enough mics in the house. And I'm Mike Lynch. You can follow me at Lynchy WCVB. And find me at Jason Kelly News. I think I want Barr to come over to my house, but I'm not <laughs> so sure. Um, I, I think it'll be okay, but I'm, I'm going to tread lightly if I get anywhere near his lawn. We're here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports. Danny, there's an old man in the chair yelling. <laughs> get him out of here. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world and online wherever you get your podcasts.